on the back of the bulletin, uh, the only message for unbelievers. And so this is from Lewis Berry Chafer in his book, Grace. Christians are ambassadors for Christ and are commissioned to preach the gospel to every creature. This ministry does not consist in either the education or moral improvement of lost men while they are on their way to hell. It is a proclamation of the mighty, redeeming, transforming grace of God, which offers eternal uh, life and eternal glory to all who believe. Uh, And so it's very funny. Uh, I see a lot of the, oh, I won't forget the birthdays. Thank you, Brother Scott. I see a lot of people that, uh, I'm going to have to turn the microphone off again. (laughs) I see a lot of people who are uh, giving these different verses to unsaved people. And uh, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that it's the Holy Spirit that even makes us able to understand God's word. So what makes you think if you give somebody John 3.16 or you give somebody this verse or that verse that they're going to be able to do anything with it? There is one verse in scripture that people need to see. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. And I'd submit to you, they probably don't even need to see that verse. They need to see you live it out in your life rather than talking it to them so that they can see the life of Christ. Uh, what does it say in, in 1 Peter three fifteen? Set aside Jesus as Lord in your heart and always be willing to give an answer to the one that asks for the hope that lies in you. So it, it goes back to the thing that I've heard many times. Uh, it's easy to preach a thousand messages, or is, is it easier to preach a thousand messages than to just live one? Very hard to live it, very easy to say it, and a lot more talking is going on than uh, living it out. Uh, and so today we want to talk about this idea of Thanksgiving and uh, the importance of Thanksgiving. Now, what is the common theme that you guys would see among people that are struggling in life. Do you see people when they're struggling in life that are happy with their situation most of the time? What's the, what's the common denominator? If you were to go up to someone uh, and ask them who's upset with their situation, they're going to have complaints, right? <laughs> it's easy to find people with a list of complaints. Our brother Dan was talking about earlier this message he did a few months back, and I wasn't I think we were away that time, but he talked about this idea of murmuring and complaining, right? And it's easy in life when things happen that you don't anticipate or that you don't expect that you don't want to what? Complain. And that complaining comes from an attitude and a place, and it's called unthankfulness. And so what is the danger for the believer in being unthankful? It's going to permeate your conversation. It's going to permeate your action. It's going to permeate everything that you do as far as living out this life. So as I can look and, and think to anyone that is spiritual, I can find one thing with them and it's that they will be thankful, right? You're not going to run into a spiritual believer and find that that spiritual believer is unthankful for anything because the word of God tells us what to give thanks when things are going well. No, I did that on purpose. No, that's not what it says. It says give thanks in all things. And we're going to see that today. And so 
The attitude of the believer who is unthankful can be manipulated by Satan because Satan is the one that is leading you to be unthankful. And he's going to manipulate your sin nature to do things that you desire to do because you're not thankful for your situation. And we're going to see that today. We'll also look at the fact that of things that cause the believer to to be unthankful. So what what would you say causes someone to be unthankful? Well, I would I would submit to you it's the attitude that they're getting something that they don't deserve. I deserve better than this. Can't you just hear Satan in your ear? <laughs> this thing happens to you and and he says, "Look at this is happening. Look at who you are. Do you deserve this?" You deserve better than this. I don't know about you guys, but I've heard that before in my ear. (laughs) Satan tapping me on my shoulder, as it were, and saying, you didn't do anything to deserve what's happening to you. Right? Maybe I'm just unique. Maybe it's just Satan that talks to me sometimes and says these things. I don't know. Uh, And so the opposite of being unthankful, obviously, is to be thankful. And it takes an active believer that is actively looking and evaluating their life to see when I'm unthankful or the potential might even be there for me to be unthankful and to redirect your mind in that moment so that you are thankful. And what flows out from that is is those things that come from a spiritual believer. And so what we want to look at today is what does an attitude of thanksgiving do for the believer? And so there's some some key things that we're going to see that come off from having that attitude of thanksgiving. Remember what the Lord said, even when he was here, out from the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it was talking very specifically about something in that context. But it's true. What's in you is what's going to come out of you. And so if you're thankful inside and have a thankful heart, what's going to flow out from you are those spiritual things that should flow out from you. And so we want to also look at what are the results of being unthankful. There are some very key verses that we're going to go to. And remember back to the uh, in Romans when he talks about uh, in chapter one, those people there at the Tower of Babel and really historically over time had an opportunity for a personal relationship with God. And what did they think? What did they do as a result? They rejected that. And what did what was the result of that rejection? They became unthankful. And what was the the result of that unthankfulness? You started to see little works of the flesh revealing themselves over time. And so we'll look at that. And then we want to see how we can integrate Thanksgiving into our daily walks uh, so that we can be ones that are more thankful. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for this day and uh, grateful for the opportunity that we have to be thankful to you. We can be thankful to you because you've done uh, many things more over and above and and beyond what you uh, should have done on our behalf. Uh, You provided us uh, great mercy uh, in that we don't get those things that we deserve. But above that, you've provided us uh, also with so great salvation uh, that we're able to walk out in this daily life. And then uh, beyond that, even when we fall short and aren't where we're supposed to be, uh, you you, uh, remain where you're supposed to be and what you've promised with respect to us. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, We pray that as we enter into this study that we might be inspired to be more thankful. 
we know that the opportunities arise and we are not perfect for us to be unthankful in situations. And so we pray that we would recognize that. And when we do, uh, get back to where we need to be so that you can get the glory that you deserve. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for that, Cohen. <laughs> and so what does an attitude of thanksgiving uh, do for the believer? There are several admonishments that Paul gives throughout Scripture for the believer to be thankful. It's not just in one place that we see this uh, given to a believer that we should be thankful or that uh, those particular believers that he's talking to should be thankful. One of the ones was the opening verse that uh, or the verse we read in our scripture reading. And so I want to go there now and we're going to look at it, but we'll come back around in Colossians chapter three and verse 15. Colossians chapter three and verse 15. And Paul says there, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. Now, when we're reading the King James Version, sometimes we don't get the full tenor of what's being said here. If you hear be ye thankful, maybe you might have caught the tenor of he's instructing them to do something or giving them a strong suggestion as to this is something that you need to do. And not just that you need to do it because it's some legalistic construct. It's because it's what's for your best. If I saw my children running out into the street, I'm not going to say, Cohen, please come back here. Cohen, don't do that. I'm going to say, Cohen, come back. Right. And this is what he's telling you. He's telling you something that's for your own good. And what is he telling them? To be thankful. You be thankful. And we're going to come back to why he says that a little bit later. But I just wanted to introduce it here as an imperative. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4, Paul gives the acts that can arise in the lives of one that is thankful in contrast uh, to a proper attitude or an improper attitude. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4. Now, if you'll remember back, I believe to the last time I preached, we talked about this uh, uh, this being mimickers of God. Now, I went a little long. I'm not going to go as long as I did that last time here. Some people chided me after, so we won't go that, that long on this one. My notes are much shorter, as you can see. Um, but in verse 1 of chapter 5, uh, Paul tells the Ephesian saints, you be, here it is again, an imperative, you be therefore followers of God. This idea of a follower is not just one that follows somebody around. This is one that looks at someone's behavior and becomes one that mimics that behavior. Remember, we talked about the attitude of a father and son and what father or those sons see those fathers do. Those are things that they tend to do over time. Sorry, fathers that don't want your children to, to mimic your behavior. Sometimes they do that. In verse two, it says, and walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanliness and or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become as saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talk nor jesting, uh, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And so you see 
this giving of thanks is emblematic of one that's mimicking God. Somebody that's walking around and living out their life in carnality is not going to be thankful. But when you're mimicking God, what does that cause you to do? That causes you to live in who you are in Christ, because there's no one in this room that can live out these lives and mimic God in and of their own selves. Anybody have that ability? I was just testing to see if anybody was going to say it. And so this coincides with the one walking in love. And so if you're living in your position in Christ, you're going to be walking and living out your life in love. And that's a, a part of the fruit of the spirit that can only be expressed uh, by one that's living in Christ. And then in verses three and four, we see that this is adverse to these works of the flesh that are mentioned. And so in verse three, what does it say? But fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. What does that idea of becometh have the idea of there? It's, it's fitting. If, if you're doing these acts, it doesn't look like someone that's called a saint, right? This expectation is up here. You're living right here. And so it's not fitting. It doesn't match up. Uh, neither filthiness nor fo- uh, foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather, on the contrary, giving of thanks. And so what is he saying there? That if you're living out a life of thanksgiving, you're probably not going to be involved in these works that we see here, Right? Is that a a fair assessment to make? (laughs) One plus one equals two. Uh, We also see that the the effects of communication of Thanksgiving. And so you can look at Thanksgiving as an attitude, but Thanksgiving is also a part of communication with God, which I believe Brother Dan has hit upon. (laughs) I haven't been able to be in any of his classes there, but this should have been one that he hit on majorly. And so go with me over to Philippians chapter four and verse six. And we're going to see it walked out here in real time. How does Thanksgiving affect the life of individuals? Well, you have these two here, and I've said it before and will say it again. It didn't behoove you to be carnal in the days that the Bible was being written. Why? Because your name would go down in infamy (laughs) forever. (laughs) Poor Euodius and Syntyche are going to be remembered here forever for this little spat that they were having. Probably over what rugs would go where. And they, they had this falling out. And here you are. Now they're immortalized in scripture forever. And so in chapter 4, pick it up in verse 1 of Philippians. It says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodius. And I beseech Syntyche that you be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which laboreth with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Let your moderation uh, be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful, or this word here for careful has the idea of anxious. For nothing, but in everything, by prayer, here's our form of communication, worship, and supplication, this is communicating for a need that you do not know, 
after it says with there in some of your texts, but I'm going to submit to you that this is the, the word for after Thanksgiving. Let your no, uh, request be known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so what is the, a foremost form of communication with God? What should your worships to God start with? Should you go to God and say, God, I need this or I need that? That's what's natural to mankind, especially when we're not spiritual. We go straight to God and we ask him immediately. But what should we do? We should be going to God with thanksgiving first. And it gets us in the right frame of mind to continue on our conversation with him. Right. <laughs> if you were a, a person that was giving out something and somebody kept coming to you and asking and asking and asking again and they never said thank you. How, how would you feel about that? And we're talking about the God of the universe that has created all things. And he sees things certainly totally different than we do. But we ought to give him thanks for the things that he's done prior to asking him for anything, even on behalf of other people. And so this Thanksgiving is very important. And what does it do? It provides peace in your life. Right. When you are thankful, it's going to provide peace in your life. Uh, and so certainly that attitude or that communication there leads to an attitude of Thanksgiving. And it could have helped Euodius and Syntyche as they're. Uh, having this little spat about whatever it was to be thankful. And we're going to look at that a little bit later uh, as far as how it breaks down into uh, real form and when you see it. And so uh, over in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, we also see this uh, Thanksgiving listed as a form of communication there. And so Thanksgiving is encouraged with other forms of communication on behalf of all men. Now, I know it's difficult. I know people can be difficult. I know we look at this world and we see uh, a lot of injustice one way or another or corruption one way or another. But guess what? We're supposed to be thankful for all men. And scripture also tells us we're supposed to be thankful for all things. So I think that kind of covers everything. right? <laughs> you're thankful for all men. You're thankful for all things. There shouldn't be anything that we're unthankful for. Uh, but some, somehow we, we find the reason to be unthankful. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Timothy, I caught myself that time, chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, I exhort, exhort therefore that first all of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made on behalf of some men, on behalf of the ones we like. <laughs> nope, I saw someone say it back there. All men. All men. And so there are a lot of people that we just don't jive with. Right. There are a lot of people that you don't even have to talk to. You can feel their 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 uh, energy and it just doesn't match up with yours. Right. That happens maybe just to me. I don't know. <laughs> I sit down by some people sometimes and I can feel it. There's something about this person that just doesn't quite jive. But we can be thankful for all men. And here he's talking about really in in uh more political type situations in verse two for kings and for those that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. See, here's something that becomes very important. It's not about us, right? It's about who we represent and what we represent. 
sometimes when we see things that are adverse to the way that we would like them to be, what's our default? We start becoming very introspective and thinking about the way we want things to be. And we stop giving thanks because we can't appreciate what God is doing in the situation. It goes back almost to what Brother Dan was talking about again there. I pick on you, Brother Dan, here, but you, you gave me the fire. <laughs> that, that situation, just look at that little situation where the Spirit was leading him to do something. And he could not have anticipated the outcome of what was going to happen. And that's the very same thing that happens in situations with us when we choose to be unthankful. We don't know what God has planned in that situation. It's easy to default to this is not the outcome I desire to see. I don't want it. Take it away. Right. And that's an easy place to default to. A little harder to refocus your mind, get back to who we are in Christ and let him take up the battle and be thankful. Uh, and so that's what we we should be doing now that doesn't always happen uh, with all people. And so, again, here we see in the uh, context, Paul encourages that uh, communication of thanksgiving come on behalf of other men. And that this encouragement is met with the expectation that believers uh, live a quiet and peaceable life. And so what is what is the result there of being thankful? You're not living a life that's agitated where you're fighting all the time. Right. And so uh, I, I don't know how important that is to others. I, I like peace in my life. And so we, you see that. Uh, in First uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, we see Thanksgiving uh, provided uh, prior to consumption of food. And so go with me over there. So hopefully when you guys are eating, you're giving thanks on behalf of your food. <laughs> And there's real, real life uh, implications that come into this and reasons of why we do this. Uh, but First Timothy chapter four and verse uh, three. Is that the wrong verse? No, no, that's the right verse. OK, so in verse one, it says, now the spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times that some should de depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and, and hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to receive what there, there's that with again, but it's after Thanksgiving. And so you give thanks for your food and then you eat of them, uh, which believe and know the truth for every creature of God is good. Now, for those that think that there's no difference between how we're supposed to live uh, now and how they lived under law, I, I defy you to go back and look under law and see what was given to them as restrictions to their food. They never said in the law that everything is made for you to eat after Thanksgiving. That's never once said. I can go and show you a list of things that they're not supposed to eat. And so we see that there. Yes, even chitlins are good for consumption. <laughs> and nothing to be refused if it, if it be received after Thanksgiving. Now, what is the point of Thanksgiving? In the next verse, we see it. For it is sanctified uh, by the word of God and intercession. And so here we see another form of communication. They translated praying there, but it's actually the word for intercession. You're uh, something standing between you and God. And in this case, it's that food that you're about to eat. 
And hopefully God is purifying and cleaning that thing that you're about to eat. That's the point that we see of uh, uh, thanksgiving or praying on behalf of our food. Uh, we also see that this uh, thanksgiving allows for the abundance of grace in the life of the believer. Go with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. Now, Paul talks about in the context here, a lot of the things that they've gone through. And he gives these paradoxes here of of what it looks like uh, and what you would expect to happen in a certain situation. Uh, Let's go back just a little bit uh, and pick it up in verse 7. And remember back, uh, don't separate this from chapter 3. Now, in in chapter 3, he talks about having... uh, uh, the, the basically the glory of God residing within us and he, he, he likens it and I can't get a better illustration than what Pastor Dave did many years back he talked about these ostraca vessels right they're potholders basically and they're all fragile and cracked and he likened that to these bodies that we're living in now some people might have healthy bodies Troy and Brittany back there are very healthy and very strong uh, I can tell you once I felt that way <laughs> when I was in my 20s, but I'm, I'm, I'm transitioning away from feeling like that. <laughs> and so I hope someday to feel like that again, but I doubt it's going to be able to happen. But these bodies are fragile. They're frail. And it doesn't matter what we do to them. At some point, they're going to fail us. Brother Justin found it out <laughs> a couple weeks ago, right? Those, our bodies are fragile. And so imagine having all of this gold and diamonds and shiny, shiny metals inside of a little clay pot that's here to protect it. And times that by an an infinite number. And you have what our bodies are with the Godhead residing inside of us. Right. And so we have this treasure, it says in verse seven, in earthenware vessels and clay pots. This treasure of having God within us. But we have this treasure in earthenware vessels that the excellency of the power of God and not or maybe of God, excuse me, and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body for we which live and are are always delivered unto the unto death for Jesus's sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh excuse me so then uh, death worketh in us but life in you we uh, having the same spirit of faith according as it is written I believed and therefore have I spoken We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also, raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving or the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. And so you see here all of these things that they were going through and they weren't just a few things, right? Paul and the apostles were beaten. 
They were persecuted. They were chased around. They were called uh, 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 hypocrites and all kinds of other things. They suffered many things. And what is the, the picture he has of this at the end of the day? This will multiply to the abundance of grace of others through thanksgiving. Right? How can you be thankful when people are chasing you around trying to beat and injure and kill you? Well, I can tell you it's not going to come out of the power and strength of yourself. It's going to come through the power and strength of God. And I've always said that I, I, when I was younger, I would read through these stories and imagine how could these people who are just men do this? Was well, the same power that was inspiring them to make it through it that would inspire us to make it through it if it were to happen today. And so I can I can assure you that we would be able to make it through it as well if we're relying upon the power of God and not relying upon the power of ourselves. Uh, and so it's another Thanksgiving that we're not going through these kind of things, right? Uh, as you look at uh, life and the, the life that we live, uh, we also see over in First or Second Corinthians chapter nine, in verse eleven. That Thanksgiving allows for the proper perspective regarding the believer's sufficiency. Now, this is normally where our uh, offertory scripture would have come from. A place that the, the pastor has gone on his quest to reverse Malachi <laughs> out of the minds of people by utilizing this. Uh, but we see the results of that uh, later in the context. And so uh, in verse 11... And so remember, in the context, he's talking about this uh, giving and uh, giving and receiving. But pick it up in verse 10. He says, now he that ministereth uh, seed to the sower, both ministereth bread uh, for food and multiply your seed sown and increase in the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to the bountifulness, uh, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God uh, for the administration of this service that only uh, that not only supplieth the want of the saints but is abundant also by thanksgiving unto God and so you see there again that multiplying effect of being thankful uh, in that context now also over in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7 we see that this is apparent of a positional walk or someone walking in their position in Christ. And this is leading up to Colossians chapter 3, which we'll hit upon again later. We've got to start uh, flying here. There's never enough time. <laughs> Pick it up in verse 1. He says, for I wouldn't uh, that you knew that what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many have, have not seen me in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of a full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith, your uh, faith in Christ. 
As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And so, very clearly stated there, when you're walking and living as one that's actually rooted up, now there's two, two possibilities that can happen. You can live out this Christian life and you are saved in the midst of this present tense salvation, right? You believe the facts of the gospel and you were saved. Now we're in the midst of that salvation right now. And Christ is going to return and take us back and we are going to be saved. So there's three tenses of salvation that we can look at. But as we're living in this present right now, we've been equipped and given everything like we are what we shall be. And God can look at his right hand and see us how we will be and not how we are now. But what's the choice? It's left up to us to actually live it and walk it out. It's a fact that you've been rooted and grounded in who you are in Christ. Are you going to live it out? The choice is yours. The choice is ours, I should say. And so we have this here. Uh, And so as he gets to verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in him, in your position in Christ, established in the faith, uh, uh, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So what is it going to look like when you're living your life as one that is built up in Christ? You're going to be thankful. Thanksgiving will permeate your attitude and your behavior. And as a result of being thankful, you're going to do the other things that you need to do. And we'll see that here in a moment. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 tells us that it allows for spiritual awareness when you are thankful. In verse 1, he says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer. Here's our word for worship again, that uh, umbrella term for most of your communication with God. And watch in the same with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It just keeps coming up, doesn't it? With all praying also for us that God would open a door uh, of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in bonds. And so here Paul's in jail and he's encouraging other saints to be thankful. And it assumes the fact that he's probably thankful himself in the situation he's living in. I got to start moving here. I forgot to have two more points. So in First Thessalonians chapter three and verse nine, we see that this adds encouragements in the lives of other saints. But we won't go there. Uh, our next point, we see that uh, what are the results of unthankfulness? And so as you look at this attitude of being unthankful again, I think it's a satanic temptation to be dissatisfied with your present plight. <clears throat> Satan doesn't want you to be happily living in who you are in Christ. He wants to bring about situations in your life that cause you to say, I deserve better than this. Right. It it really impacts me because I've experienced it. I don't know about other people, but it, it constantly comes to me in situations when I know I'm being unthankful. I deserve better than this. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. This shouldn't be happening to me. Right. And that's what happens. And so 
from that satanic uh, temptation, we see that a self-actualized reality of mistreatment, underappreciation, or disrespect come to an individual. What do people say when pride comes into play? You can't talk to me like that. Do you know who I am? <laughs> right? And uh, I remember the story, the look that the pastor, he reminded me of this, uh, the story of the coach Bill Walsh for uh, Stanford. Brother Dan probably knows him well. And he was a bit of an arrogant guy, if you've ever seen him. He was a, quite an excellent coach and probably one of the greatest offensive minds that there's ever been in football. But he, he knew it. <laughs> he very much knew it. And he got on a plane and got into a spat with a guy. And the guy, uh, he says to the guy, don't you know who I am? <laughs> and the guy told him, I don't care who you are. <laughs> and ended up sucker punching him, as, I, <laughs> as I've been told. And so uh, sometimes it doesn't matter who you are, <laughs> but it, it seems to matter to the individual. Now, what are the effects of unthankfulness seen historically? Go with me over to Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. And I probably should have saved myself more time to make this point here, but we'll try to, we'll try to hit up on it. Now, we've looked at this before, and I think uh, this can be told of those times that were happening during the Tower of Babel. But I think it's also an extension of what you've seen over time prior to Israel, that people were able to have a personal relationship with God. What does it say in the Old Testament? Enoch walked with God. And I don't think he was spiritually walking with God. No, he literally had a personal relationship with God and God took him. Uh, and so when it says here, when they had the opportunity to know God, this is a literal thing that they had an opportunity to have a relationship with God. And yet they chose otherwise. Pick it up in verse uh, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth by unrighteousness. Look at people today. This is something you can actually see going on very prevalently in our society. People don't want to know the truth. They want to hold down the truth so that they're able to act in any way that they desire to act. And they say, it's my truth. That's your truth. <laughs> if you tell them anything else that's contrary to what they're doing, that's your truth. There is no objective truth. Well, scripture tells us here that there is objective truth. And this is nothing new. People have suppressed truth over time. Uh, and so we see this here uh, because in verse 19, that that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shown it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And so really here you can look at this as the divine nature. It can be seen out in his creation. There is nothing that's hidden about God. As you start thinking about scientists and even looking into some of the theories that these scientists come up with, all the absence of things that they can't explain show there is a God. And if they would come to the understanding of that, they would probably be able to figure things out a lot better. So that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, and this is looking back at a past time, they glorified him not 
uh, as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and to birds and to four footed beasts and creeping things. Uh, It might seem foolish to you as you're thinking about somebody worshiping these idols rather than worshiping God. And I think people think that doesn't go on now. Well, I would like to open your eyes to something that's going on all around this world right now. People are worshiping false gods all over the place. And they worship this, that they can see something they've created more than the true God that created everything. And so you see this uh, happening. Uh, This is not anything new. In verse 24, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through their less, the less of their own hearts to dishonor their uh, own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. And really, I'm going to say literally what this says here, who exchanged the truth of God. That that could be known about God. They said, I don't want this. I'd rather have this. And so they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What is the result of this? It follows after verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, the men leaving the natural use for the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men work with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which is uh, which was meet or necessary. In verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And what were those things? We see them listed. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, (laughs) implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, you find it odd that these things are going on in our society, a society which has no reverence or no care for God whatsoever, the one that created all things. And we find it odd that our, this country has arrived to the place that it's at. It's just a natural progression of men who are living a life apart from God. You reject God, you become unthankful. You become unthankful, it all spirals out of control from there. And we see this uh, in the context. And so I wanted to touch on that more and and hit on some things as we went through, but I didn't leave myself enough time. Uh, The act uh, and characteristic of men in the last days, we see that they will be unthankful. Go with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. And as you can see in the text that we just read there, uh, this is something that's always been going on over time with men outside the church. Here's the 
doom, doom, doom moment <laughs> in chapter three. This is inside of the church. <laughs> He's talking about in the church. These things will be happening in chapter three of Second Timothy. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Now that word without natural affection there, there's a certain care that a, a, a child has for his parent and vice versa. This will be missing within people within the church in the last days of the church that we are in. Um, lost my place there. Without natural affection. Verse 3. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those uh, that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Now, I like to call this the cloak of godliness here. On the outside, they put on this this, these clothes that are godly, but on the inside, what happens? But denying the power thereof from such turn away or withdraw yourself. For out from this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with various lusts, ever learning and never able to come to a, what, what I would say here, a full experiential knowledge of the truth. What did the Lord say when he was talking to the Jews in chapter 8 of John? He said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do we free ourselves from our sin nature and those desires that we have within ourselves? Chapter 6 of Romans, it tells us we recognize the fact that we've been crucified intimately together with Christ. So that life that we used to live is governed by the desires that we have in the flesh. We don't have to obey it anymore. Like I used to say when I was teaching the class here on Monday nights, that refrigerator that we used to have, that broken down jalopy, (laughs) it's gone. We have a new one that we can plug in. But it would be as if we left that refrigerator out there in the shed. Some people do this. They call them hoarders, I think. (laughs) They don't want to throw things away, right? And so they go out and pull that refrigerator out and plug it back in. Let's give it a turn. (laughs) Let's see if it still works. And that's what we do with our sin nature sometimes, right? We've got this new, improved version. And we can live in Christ. On the outside, they can see him rather than us. But sometimes... We say, I want to walk around in that old nature for a little bit, right? I want to live like it used to be. And we become unthankful. We're not thankful for the things that we've been provided in Christ. And you can see that here. Uh, Four, we see how can we integrate the Thanksgiving into our daily lives. Again, I uh, really messed this up. I should have shot through that that middle part there a little bit faster. Uh, But we see the attitude of Thanksgiving precedes situational communication with God. And so you should have an attitude of Thanksgiving going into your communication of Thanksgiving with God. Right. Get get where you need to be and communicate in the right way. And the attitude of Thanksgiving is in alignment with the proper spiritual state. Go with me over to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. 
Now in verses 1 through 4, we see there's a thought process to getting where you need to be positionally. Remember, it's a reality that these things are a fact in your life. But you have to get your mind to actualize what God has already ordained and set up for us. And so that's why in verses one through four, he says, since not really there, if it's a fact. And this is stated in the first class condition in the Greek. It's not a a, a, maybe this is the case. This might be. This is a fact. If you've been saved and you believe the facts of the gospel that Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again. This is a fact. And so he says here, since you've then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. This uh, repetitive thought process is going through your mind should not be on the events and things that are going on on this earth. And so what causes us to be unthankful? We start getting preoccupied with all of the things that are going on here that are not going the way that we want them to, and we become unthankful. And so set your reflective thinking, those thoughts that are are going through your mind over and over and over again, try to mentally force your mind to think on who you are in Christ. Uh, And that that will help you out in this regard. In verse 3, he says, For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, Then shall you also appear with him in glory. In verses 5 through 11, we see the believer's active realization of this new reality. And so what does he tell you to do? Uh, Mortify. We don't use that word very often, but I think it it sounds like death, right? (laughs) And that's what he's telling you to do. Put to death. Put these things to death. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And so he's telling you, actively put to death that old nature. Go unplug that old refrigerator and put it back out in the shed. In fact, we wish we could put it out on the side of the road and the the garbage man come and pick it up so we never have to deal with it anymore. Right? But that's not a possibility for this life. The gar- garbage man's not running yet. So you have to wait. Uh, Christ is going to deal with that later. In verse 6, it says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in which you also walked sometime when you lived with them or among them. Let's not ever forget the fact that we are only a step away from where the unsaved are. And we can look down the barrel of our nose and have this smug attitude at unsaved people if we want to. But if not for the grace of God, we'd be right where they are. And so that should be something uh, that remains in our our mind and our understanding. And so verse eight. But now you also have put off these, all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Stop lying to one another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after him or the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor uh, uh, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, uh, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. 
uh, put on. And so it's the idea that's pictured here of putting on like clothing. You put this on as an outward garment that people can see. And what do they see? They don't see you anymore. They see you in Christ and your behaviors mimic and look like Christ. And so he says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Uh, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection or really there. You can say it's the glue that holds together your spiritual maturity. Right. And so uh, understanding when you're loving one another in the way that you're supposed to, when we're loving one another in the way that we're supposed to, we're going to spiritually mature in the way that we're supposed to. And this is going to develop into Thanksgiving. You see it in the next verse and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body. And you be thankful. Why does he say that? Because the opposite of that is going to bring about the works that we saw that are related to the old man in that earlier context. And so you be thankful. Is he telling you when you are doing these things, you say, I'm thankful. (laughs) These things are happening to me, but uh, I'm thankful. No. And this is what I say with with the Christian life all the time and, and those things that scripture encourages us to do. It's not saying that you can automatically stop doing what you're doing here and just of your own power shift and go in the other direction. That's not possible. What is possible is for us to acknowledge where we are and to understand that we don't have to live this way and to reflectively think on who we are in Christ, to allow the thoughts of who we are and what we have in Christ to permeate our thinking, right? I'm risen, ascended, and seated above with Christ. If it, if it helps you to sing a song, think of in the beloved. In the beloved, accepted am I. Risen, ascended, and seated on high. Saved from all sin through his infinite grace with the redeemed ones accorded a place. In the beloved, God's marvelous grace caused me to dwell in this wonderful place. God sees my Savior, and then he sees me in the beloved, accepted and free. These things help you to reshift your thinking and think more on who you are in Christ rather than who you are on this earth. And so what have we looked at? We've seen that Thanksgiving is admonished in Scripture and helps the believer to personally Uh, helps the believer personally and in our relationships with other people. If we're falling short in our relationships with other people, we have to look at them in the mirror and say, am I being unthankful? Am I appreciating what God has provided for me in this instance? Unthankfulness is a satanic temptation that leads to works of the flesh. We saw many works of the flesh that stemmed from people being unthankful especially over in in Romans chapter one. Uh, And then Thanksgiving uh, results from the proper spiritual mentality and communication with God. Um, Any of these admonitions and messages that I provide, I can assure you have first been given to myself. So if I say you or anyone else, it means that this is something that we collectively have to do. 
And if we're not at a place where we can be thankful, we need to check ourselves. It's time to look in the mirror and say, why am I not living a life that's thankful? Because if you're not living as thankful, you're not living as spiritual. If you're not spiritual, you're carnal. <laughs> it's only two, two choices. You can't go many places with it. And so hopefully uh, we are ones that are evaluating ourselves constantly and able to get to where we need to be as far as living a life that's glorifying and well-pleasing to God. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this day and uh, grateful for the fact that, uh, again, we, we do have the ability and opportunity for many things to give you thanks. And there's no amount of thanks that could uh, really account for the amount abundance of grace that you've provided to us. But we understand that it is something that is uh, desired among those that are living this life in a way that's glorified and well-pleasing to you. So we pray that as we uh, go out into our week, into our uh, different work situations, into our uh, different home settings, into whatever it is that you have in front of us, that we would always let our attitude be ones that are thankful. And where we fall short, that we would evaluate our situations and be able to get back in line with who we are in Christ. We pray all of these things in his name. Amen.